that there are those that speak against you. How so? Who speaks against me? The dwarf shrugged. Some that I have heard of. And what do they say? That you are an heretic. The tall man sighed. How conspicuous in his conduct at the mass does a man have to be before he is charged with Pharisaic pride? He said, half to himself. Have these whisperers not perceived me at my devotions? Christ knows I have worn my knees to the bone. Or is it, he went on before the dwarf could answer, because I have come among them in these heathen clothes? He plucked at the loose cotton pantaloons, common to the Chinese who manned the junks from Guangdong, that he wore under a loose shirt. Senor, I... But the man the dwarf called Don Iago turned away, returning his attention to the great ship offshore. Riding to her anchor, surrounded by Chinese junks, she lay in deep water off the beach that spread beyond the shade of the palm grove and the tangle of vegetation marking the edge of the forest. For a moment the air was troubled only by the rustling fronds overhead, but then the noise of her loading came across the water again, they could see bales and boxes being hauled aboard from the crowd of junks and sampans that lay moored about her like piglets, suckling from a gigantic mother, except that the traffic was the other way. Borne aloft by the great ship's yard and stay tackles, the riches of China were hoisted aboard the capacious hull that day by day sank lower in the water. Despite this activity in filling her holds, small gangs of seamen toiled in her upper rigging, and Iago knew them to be rattling down. Fitting chafing gear, worming and serving, setting up the lanyards in their euphros and dead-eyes as the upper yards were secured preparatory to sailing. Iago was impressed by the now. She was enormous. He knew the Spanish were capable of building such large ships in their colonial shipyards in Havana, on the Caribbean island of Cuba. Vessels to rival those built in Spain itself. But the ship at which he was staring had been built here, in the Philippines, on a slip at Cavite less than a mile from where she now lay, loading the produce of China for the passage across the Pacific to Acapulco, on the coast of New Spain. He stared upwards in some wonder, for she bore three yards on her fore and mizzen masts, the uppermost a recent innovation in Spanish shipfitting, he had heard of such a tall rig with this additional yard and sail, this Juanete, or topgallant, set above what had until recently been the topsail. But Iago, who had been watching the now for some days, was troubled by the dwarf's intrusion and the intelligence that he imparted, and could no longer concentrate upon the loading of the Santa Margarita. "'Tis not enough,' Iago muttered vehemently, half to himself, to have suffered shipwreck and misfortune, but these damned vultures would have a man at the stake for heresy. You condemned a priest to damnation, ventured the dwarf, standing and rubbing his throat. I heard you say so. Iago returned his attention to the dwarf, ignoring the hostile implication of the freak's remark. You look Spanish to me, he said, regarding the dwarf. You are not an Indian. I was born in the island, senor. Not here in Cavite, but in Manila. 
The dwarf gestured to the eastwards, where, on the farther shore of the great bay, the city of Manila lay behind its newly built walls. My father was an Hidalgo who abandoned my mother when he saw what she had borne him. A sad and familiar tale, Iago said softly, wondering what diseases the noble Spaniard had foisted upon the native woman he had impregnated. And this weird yet pitiful scrap of blood, bones and brain, was the result. A reflective expression that approached kindness spread across Iago's face so that he looked with more attention at the dwarf. What do they call you? he asked in the same low tone. I was christened Jimenez. Jimenez. Iago reached out his hand and the dwarf quailed, but the large paw was light upon his shoulder. I am sorry.